0: So e
1: Having a happy new year. I don't know about y'all. I mean, my goodness. How phenomenal was our worship team and our band this morning? I think we need to give them a little love. My word. Wow, 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 wow. Live a life that you'll remember. I think that lyric from that song is a great place for us to begin at the starting line of a new year, of a new decade. Let me ask you a quick, is there anybody else in the room who like me is like, maybe this is just because I'm aging. I think we all are, but like me especially, a lot. Is there anybody else who's like shocked that it's 2020? Can I just see, if like, how did that happen? I'm so glad we don't write checks anymore because I'd be writing 2019 for another six months. It's just been unbelievable. Hey, before we dive into the message today, I, I want to let you know about something that is really, really important and really cool. Many of you know that toward the end of last year as we did the Good to Go series and we were talking about full circle faith and being who God has called us to be, we, we launched an app for our church, for Lake Hills Church, for people to connect to the church, for people to connect to each other, and this week we have a brand new feature on the app which is really Really important. I think we've got a little video. We have a prayer wall that will go on our app. So if you go to Lake Hills Church in your app store, whatever device you use, there's a prayer wall for you to enter any prayer requests that you might have so that our prayer team, our staff can be praying with you about that. Now, there's a great function as well. If you don't want to put your name on it or don't want to give a lot of details, just say anonymous. That's available to you as well. God knows. So that's available on the app starting right now. I would encourage you to download the app and and use this prayer wall. Jesus said that his house would be a house of prayer. And we believe in that wholeheartedly and want to be that kind of a church, that kind of a family that prays together, prays for each other. And if you do want to put your name on it, that's awesome. We would love to be able to lift you up in that kind of a way. So that's just just a quick little plug to let you know that that's part of what is coming out of what God started last year through Good to Go. You know, that song that we just finished and the video that accompanied it, it made me me remember something that our family experienced, I don't know, a few years ago. We were at a water park, and we were at the bottom of a water slide, and, and there was a group of kids, like like middle school, maybe high school, kind of at the bottom of this huge water slide, and they were yelling up at the people who were getting ready to ride down the water slide. And at first, I, did, I couldn't make out what they were saying. It wasn't familiar to me. And finally, I listened a little closer, and what, what they were yelling was this. They were yelling up at the kids, send it! Send it! Now, I didn't know that that was like a thing that kids say these days. And it was, I don't know, a couple of months later, I was on Instagram just kind of surfing around, and I saw a hashtag that said, send it. So I thought, I'll just check. I heard the kids saying it at the water park. I'll go check it out. I found a treasure trove, a bottomless black hole of videos of people doing these incredible stunts. Some of them were amazing. Some of them were just absolutely stupid. But they were incredible. It's like you can't quit watching these things, send it, and and I thought, instead of just explaining to you, I'd show you just a little taste of it. I want to give you a little taste of send it. Watch this video real
0: quick.
1: Are you kidding me? It's so much better on this screen than on your phone. <laughs> Did anybody else kind of feel your stomach drop out on that last jump? Whoa. Send it. But now, the reason that I showed you that was to tell you this. Every single one of us, all of us, at every single moment of life is absolutely on full send. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them like you mean it. Send it. And what I mean by that is this, we all live sending every single word out of our mouths, every action of our hands and our feet, every thought, everything that we do is sending something into the world around us. It may be just in our family, in our home. It may be just with the people that we work around, but we are always sending something out into the world. And what we send into the world absolutely and irrefutably determines what we receive. Now, obviously circumstances pop up, things happen that are outside of our control, but how we respond to those things determine what we receive from those things. It is an immutable law of the world that we are always sending And receiving. We are always planting and then harvesting. The old version of the Bible says that we are sowing, which is planting, and then reaping. We're harvesting. We're gathering at all times, no matter what, no matter where you go. And it's that reality, it's that truth that is driving where we go as a church, where we go personally and individually all the time. But I thought it'd be incredibly important as we begin 2020, this leap year, if we took a hard look at what God says is this spiritual law, this reality that permeates every part of our lives, and decided and determined right here and right now, this weekend, that we would choose to choose what we sow, what we plant in order to make 2020 not just a leap year, but to make this reap year so that at the end of this new year, when it's no longer new, when it's past, you and I could look back and say that by the grace of God and in his provision and goodness, we have actually harvested, we have actually reaped in this year all of the good things, all of the God things that he has in store for us. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to look in Galatians chapter number 6. And as you're going to Galatians chapter 6, you may, maybe you have a phone that's got a Bible on it. There's an incredible app called the YouVersion. You can carry the whole Bible with you anywhere you go at all times. You're welcome to use that. Maybe, maybe you're old school and you like have a, a Bible that's an actual book. Like you, you walked in carrying this morning, you know? That's cool, too. But in Galatians chapter 6, God supernaturally puts a very, very fine point on this law of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. And I'm going to ask you, in New Year festivity, read the highlighted words on the screen with me, if you don't mind. They're going to be on the screen behind me. Here's what the Bible says. Galatians chapter six, starting with verse seven. The Bible says, don't be misled. Don't let yourself be deceived. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit of God, will harvest, they will reap everlasting life from the Spirit. So, let's not get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Well done. We will reap if we don't give up. This is the law. Now, I love that phrase in that passage where it says, you cannot mock the justice of God. What what the Bible is saying there is that you, you can try to get around reality. You can ignore the truth, but at some point, truth will catch up. At some point, the way God has Woven the fabric of creation, the way He's created this world will reveal itself to you. Now, of course, we know that there are a lot of mockers. There are a lot of people who, who make fun of our faith, who make fun of God even. But there will come a day. There will come a point at which every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's a bottom line reality. That's a bottom line reality that deserves more than a birdie clap. That's a reality that we can build our lives on. And so, you can do it for a while, but you do so at your own peril. It it would be kind of like me saying, you know, after being married to Julie for 28 years, loving life, I was just going to quit doing the things that matter to her. I, I'm not going to do it because it's not, it's not that big a deal. And so I quit. I quit helping with the dogs. I quit helping around the house, which for the record, I do. I'm not just using that as an example. But the one thing I don't like to do, this is just as an aside, I do not like to empty the dishwasher. Do I have any empty dishwasher haters out there like me? I, I, it drives, It's so tedious. It is so tedious. I'm happy to help with the dogs. Listen, I, we, we've got puppies in our house right now. I have cleaned out more crates of more landmines in the last three months, and I'm happy to do it. We, we've all kind of been pitching in. But if I said, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do at home. I... I I know that I'm supposed to serve her and listen. <laughs> I could do that. It would not go well for me to say nothing of what it communicated to Julie. Here this woman has given, her, given me her life. She said she would stay with me through thick and through thin, sickness and in health, I mean, on and on and on. And and I'm just ignoring her. I'm just like just making a mockery of the commitment that we made. I, I could do that. In the same way, the law of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting, that is just the reality of life. It says, make no doubt about it, do not be misled. You will reap what you sow. You will absolutely harvest what you plant. It's it's just the way it is. And the fact of that is really, really important. You see, if, if I can kind of push the metaphor a little bit further, here's the seed of that law. The seed of that law is that because we will harvest what we have planted, We will reap what we have sown. Everything matters. Everything matters. Now, I know that that's that's an overwhelming thought for just a hot second, but, but stay with me. Everything matters. Every word that I say, everything that I do, every relationship that I have, every minute that I'm at work, every minute that I'm asleep, in God's economy, matters. Every single thing matters. D.L. Moody was an 18th, 19th century American evangelist and pastor. He was a theologian. He started Bible colleges. He, He first rose to prominence as a battlefield chaplain in the Civil War. And in writing about the spiritual law of sowing and reaping, D.L. Moody said the following. He said, life is not casual, but causal. It's not casual. It's not just no big deal. It is actually matters. It matters. It is cause and effect in every single thing that we do. Now, here's why that's good news. Check this out. It is because you matter so much to God that in his infinite grace and in his infinite wisdom, his omniscient sovereignty, he knows everything, and he still chose to make you. He chose to make me knowing that everything we do has the potential to impact this world for his purposes, for his repurposing and for his redeeming of this world. That's how crazy about you God is. He loves you so much that he chose to create you and bring you into his purposes in this world so that everything you do, everything I do, actually, really, and truly matters. That is a symbol. That is a, a statement of the love and the grace of God, that everything matters. Now, that verse also says that if you, if you sow, if you plant to satisfy your own sinful nature, your own sinful desires, which we all have, I mean, you, you can't, intelligently argue that our natural bent is towards selfishness, towards self-preservation, self-promotion, or or just self-protection. That's, that's, it's all about the self, naturally. And you can sow to that. You can plant those seeds, fine. But understand what the harvest will be. Because you and myself, as a seed, I, I don't have... The goodness of God inherently in me, I'm created in the image of God, but because of sin, because of that selfish impulse and desire that we all have, that always, always takes us away from life. It always takes us away from peace. It always takes us away from hope. Sin, sin is one of those things that that it's kind of hard to get our minds around. We don't like to talk about it a whole lot. I don't. I don't like to preach about sin. If, if you're new around here, we, this is not a hellfire and damnation kind of church for judgment. We, we, don't, we don't go down that road. But sin is real. And the, the consequences of sin, the, the payoff of sin, ultimately is death. So if we don't tell you that, we're not doing you any favors. If we just say, don't no worry about sin. God's going to wink at it and we'll let you into heaven anyway. I'm lying to you. Sin is a big deal. It it damages relationships. It it scars families. And it separates God from the people that he loved enough to create and put into his purposes in this world. So sin's a big, big deal. But I I think this is something that, that God taught me. A, a few years ago, and, and please bear with me as I tell you this story. And understand, I'm telling you the story because I think it illustrates the point. Y'all remember when Tiger Woods was in the news and, and his ex-wife now <clears throat> took a nine iron to his Escalade? You remember that, that whole story? I, I remember that because I remember Julie looking at me and going, you ain't getting off that easy. <laughs> if that were to ever happen. Which it hasn't. Ever. Year. but so I remember when that happened and I remember kind of thinking between the lines, how tragic, how, how absolutely tragic that Tiger Woods, I mean, this guy is at the pinnacle of what he does with his life. He, he, there's nobody at the time, he was untouchable on a golf course, He walked onto a course in a red shirt and everybody else threw up the white flag. And yet there was something inside of him that thought the the carousing and the womanizing and and all of that that goes with it was somehow going to bring him some satisfaction and fulfillment. You don't don't run that hard down that road without thinking there's something here that I want. And, And as I watched that, I thought, How devastatingly sad for him, certainly for his wife and his kids and for anybody close to them to to feel the ripple effect of what he had done. And as I was processing that and thinking through the lines, it it struck me that that Tiger's real problem was that he was broken hearted. And I don't mean broken hearted like sad. I mean, brokenhearted in that there was something inside of him, something in his heart. And I I don't know where he is now. This is not a judgment thing. It's just an observation. There was something inside of him that was broken if he thought that was a good idea, if he thought that there was satisfaction and peace and joy and and lasting happiness out of the way that he was living his life. And as soon as I thought that, I I think that God just kind of just influenced my thoughts and, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I thought brokenhearted, brokenness, that's sin. That's Not just in Tiger's life, but, but any sin in my life. Because I, there, there are times in my life where I think, you know what, I, I know what God says, but I know what I want to do. And, and I, I think that would be more fun, more satisfying, or, or whatever the case might be. And every single time we sow to the flesh, we we sow to our sinful desires, we plant seeds to satisfy our selfish, sinful desires, we're expressing that brokenness. And so I think that helps us as followers of Christ, those of us who are, to to never get judgmental. (laughs) There but for the grace of God go I. We all sit back and say, How can we help? Man, I'm I'm so sorry. I don't don't feel judgmental on on Tiger Woods or hopefully anyone else because I have that propensity for brokenness in me as well. But it is only when we sow, when we plant to the Spirit of God, when we intentionalize and make deliberate everything that we do, that we have the opportunity to reap that harvest of, of blessing that that the Bible talks about, to, to step into the fullness of what God has created us for, what he's called us to do. And, and so, as we begin this series together, as we begin this, this year together as a church family, I want to I just lay a, a foundational groundwork with you and talk about what it is and how we plant the right stuff in our lives. So if you will, I want you to take out your program that you got when you came in this morning, take out your program, open it up to the notes page, and just very quickly, in the time that we have left, we've only got about an hour and a half left in the service, so it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, just write the word plant down the left-hand side of your page there. Just, just plant, P-L-A-N-T, and we're, we're going to move through this fairly quickly But I'm going to move through it quickly, trusting you. Trusting that you will pray through this and over this in the week to come. In in your time with God this week, when you kind of shut everything down, leave the phone in another room, I promise you, you will live if you do it. To pray through and think through this acrostic, this this process, and these verses that I'm going to give you. Number one, P. Give me a P. Put your trust in Christ. Put your trust in Christ. Now that's that's a double-edged sword in its own right. There's the the initial putting of trust in Christ. That's where you, you personally and deliberately step over the line of faith, of trust, and you acknowledge that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he is God in human form. He is God the Son that he lived on this earth so that he could facilitate the forgiveness of our sins so that through the forgiveness of our sins, we could be restored into a relationship with God that we were created for. And and we believe that he did that through the cross, not just on the cross, but Through the cross. There on the cross, he took on my sin. He took on your sin. He died. And then on the third day, he rose from the grave with the promise of new life for anyone who would follow him. That's it. That's the bottom line. So, put your trust in Christ. But there's the initial step, but then there's also the perpetual step. The perpetual step is where you choose to do that every day in everything that you do. I loved what Derek said earlier when he was, when he was talking about our, our offering and our tithe. That's, that's a, a, a statement of trust. You, you, put, you bring the whole tithe, you, you bring that, that's a statement of trust that I believe that what God says he will do, he will absolutely do. And so I bring the tithe, we bring the tithe as a family together, and it's that trust. That's just one example. But it's also trusting Christ when you're tempted to sin. When you're tempted to chase the things of the flesh, when you're, when you're tempted to feed that, that selfish, that, that sin nature that we all have, that's when you need, that's when you choose, I will trust Christ. I will trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. What does it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Put your trust in Christ. L, give me an L. L. Live biblically. Live biblically. 2 Timothy three sixteen says, all Scripture... Is inspired by God, and is useful. That means that you can use it. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. Live biblically. A, give me an A. A. Abandon the flesh. Abandon that that sinful nature, abandoned the, the fleshly desires that, that, that we all, all fall subject to. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. I'm going to read this in the English Standard Version because it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot more evocative. It, it communicates, I think, more than just the version that we usually use. It says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, you 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 corrupt what God intended. You you mess it up. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap, you will harvest eternal life. So the, the next time you're tempted, which I promise you probably will happen before you leave the parking lot today. <laughs> the next time you're tempted, abandon the flesh. You just you you Live in this deliberate, intentional state of recognizing and, and thinking about what you think about and choosing to choose to plant for the harvest God intended you for, for what God wants to do in your life because you trust Him more than you trust yourself. So you abandon the flesh. In, give me an in. Notice the little things. They ain't little. Notice the little things. Song of Solomon is a book of the Bible devoted to God's picture of sexual intimacy and enjoyment between husband and wife. And throughout this divinely inspired, God-endorsed vision of of sacred sex, this phrase keeps popping up over and over again. Song of Solomon 2.15 says... Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Catch the little foxes. Take care of of the little things that come between husband and wife, but also take care of the little things that come between God and you, between God and me. Notice the little things, because over time, they're not little. Because remember, you harvest what you've planted. You always harvest more than you plant. You plant a seed, you get a plant. So notice the little things in your life. And then, T, give me a T. Let's finish real strong. Give me a T. Take your time. Take your time. I don't mean go slow, I mean own it. Take your time. Every single one of us gets 24 hours by the grace of God. Decide what you're going to do with it. Own the responsibility of. Now, we all have responsibilities to other people, to outside forces. Part of my time has to be devoted to sermon prep. <laughs> I mean, that here's one thing I've learned over 23 years of pastoring. Sunday is relentless. It just keeps coming. And so I have to take my time. I have to pull back. I, listen, you, you never met anybody who enjoys and loves football more than I do. No, I, I promise you that. I don't get to watch all the football that I want to. Poor Mac. I'm not saying that. I'm giving you an example. This, this, I'm just going to say it. This that you and I engage in week in and week out, this is more important than football. <laughs> I said it. So, so what is it in your life that's more important than football? What is it that's, that's more important than kids' soccer? Because let me just say this as an aside. I love you. Your child, more than likely way 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 more than likely is not getting the scholarship <laughs> they're just not but they will live a life that needs Christ and a family of faith around them they will so so take your time look at what god tells us Ephesians chapter 5 he says Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, don't be foolish, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that you plant to the Spirit in order to reap, in order to harvest from the Spirit. This may be reap year. Remember the very beginning, we showed the video of of Send It and and all those crazy stunts and everything? I believe with everything I have, the craziest Send It of all time was God's. I, I believe that. When you think about what he sent into this world. When he sent his son, Jesus. Now, I don't know where you are right now. Maybe, for, maybe you have already placed your trust in Christ. You've already put it there, and your eternity is sealed, but you're still working on the day to day, like me. But maybe, Maybe you're here this morning and you've never done that. Maybe for you, this is the moment to to plant and to, to put your roots down into who Christ is, to decide that you will trust him more than you trust yourself, more than you trust culture, more than you trust whatever, because he's already proved his faithfulness. God's already proved to you how much he loves you. He sent his son. He gave his only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him, whoever follows him, will never die, but will have eternal life, the life that is truly life. Would you bow your heads for just a brief moment? If you're here today and you've never put your trust in Christ personally and definitively. And we invite you to do it just right now. We want to give you that opportunity just silently to talk to God. Silently talk to God and say, Jesus, I need you. In this moment, I'm planting my roots in you I'm putting my trust in you. I confess my sin to you, holding none of it back, just freely, in order to receive your forgiveness, your grace. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again. I will follow you in exchange for your life I give you mine I pray this prayer in your name for just a moment if you would remain with your heads bowed in this moment of of reverence this holy moment But if that was you, if that was your prayer today, man, you're surrounded by people who want to help. You're surrounded by people who who are excited for you, who, though we may not know you by name, we've been praying for you. And so we want to help with what's next. If you would, just allow us that privilege. Do a couple of things. Number one, If you would, look inside your program just right now. Just open it up. Across the fold from where you were taking notes is the connect card. If you just prayed to receive Christ, you you put your trust in him, then I'm going to ask you to fill that card out just right now. Just before this service ends in just a few moments. Fill it out. Your contact information. And about a third of the way down the page, you'll see there's a place to indicate on the left-hand side there, I committed my life to Christ this week. If you'll fill that out, and then <clears throat> if you folded it a couple of times, you'll notice it's perforated. You can tear it off and take that card and just fold it in half. And before you leave, I'm going to ask you if you will hand that to one of our ushers. Or you can hand it to somebody who will be at the hub underneath the big front porch out here to your right, my left. My left. But that card begins a conversation about what's next, about where to go from this moment. How do you you go about harvesting what you've sown, what you've planted today? And we just want to do that at whatever pace helps and works for you. But that's, that's what that card is about. Second thing I want to ask you to do is this. If you would, just raise your hand if you just prayed to receive Christ and put down those roots, I want to ask you just to raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment. Your hand in the air is just an indicator, an, an opportunity to stamp this moment physically because of what God did spiritually. It stamps it in your life, but it also stamps it in the life of this church because for us there's nothing more important And so we kind of have a, what we call a family tradition around here. You can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're gonna put our hands together to tell you welcome home. Welcome home and welcome to the family.